0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? I want to echo Kyle this morning and uh, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for choosing to, to be with us, to worship with us. Um, my name is James, uh, one of the uh, elder candidates here. And uh, today we are going to be in the book of of James once again, and we're going to be on chapter 3. James chapter 3. Today is one of those scriptures that uh, I think that uh, these are the times that you need to make sure you have your uh, big boy and big girl pants on uh, this is not uh, this is definitely not a fluff text today uh, today I, I we're going to endeavor to, to break this down, and and uh, here we'll see this as we get into the into the text. James is, I believe, is speaking to uh, here in the text. He's speaking to a, a specific group of people. Uh, however, uh, the scripture and the text are applicable to any any believer. Um, any believer that. Uh, desires to follow after Christ. Uh, desires to, as we've been studying the book of James, to look into God's perfect law, the perfect law of liberty, and to walk away from from that and uh, be doers of God's word and not just hearers only. Uh, this it's his whole uh, his whole book. Is around that theme of being a doer of God's word, uh, actually putting feet and hands to the work of Christ. It's not—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not just the proclamation that I say I am a believer. It's uh, I show that I'm a believer. Jesus said that the way that the people would know them was their love for one another and how they treated one another and. Uh, the same, same still goes for us today. And James is, here in his book, is a very practical guide to Christian living. It is a way to, for us to look and gauge where we are in our walk with Christ, where, where we're at, uh, our strengths, our weaknesses, uh, the things that we need uh, to work on, uh, and today uh, is, is, a, is a, a group of texts that I believe is something very important, and it's on taming the tongue, the words that are coming out of our mouths. So um, the word tame, we talk about taming the tongue, the word tame means reduced from a state of native wildness, especially so as to be useful to humans, to be made docile and submissive. The transitive uh, verb of the word tame is the word tamed or taming, and it means this, to reduce from a wild to a domestic state to subject, to cultivation, to bring under control, to deprive of spirit, which means to make humble or to subdue. So when we're talking about taming the tongue, we're taking something that is naturally wild, naturally uncontrollable, and talking about learning how to control Uh, the words coming out of our mouths. To be able to, uh, we'll get back, we'll get in this, uh, as we get in to think about what we think about. Because our thoughts become our words. Amen. Amen. Someone... Have you ever been upset and you say something and instantly you say it and you regret saying it? As soon as it comes out of your mouth, you're like trying to grab it, but it's it's too late. It's gone. It's out. And we may say, you know, to that person we're talking to, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. that. That's not me. Well, yeah, that was you because it came out of you. Our words is a very good gauge of where we are in our walk with Christ. It's uh, tells us where where we need to work on, and uh, this is something that we're going to be working on forever. Amen. Uh, so this taming the tongue is is work, uh, and it takes hard work. As a phrase I've learned in, from the book of Disciplines of a Godly Man, it takes holy sweat. It takes perseverance. Taming our tongue will not happen overnight. It will not happen by simply praying more or reading the Bible more or going to church more. It will require all of these things and so much more. It will require being diligent to think about what we think about. For what we think about, we speak. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Matthew chapter 12 verse 34 talking to the religious leaders of the day, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then Jesus also said that it is what comes out of the man that defiles him. And after the Pharisees and scribes had badgered Jesus about his disciples eating corn without washing their hands. He went on to teach in parables and then he goes and he sets, and his disciples come to him and said, you know, what what does these parables mean? And in Mark chapter 7, verses 18 to 23, he responds to his disciples. He says, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters into his heart, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So I set before you today this. As I said, it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey. Taming our tongue is a journey that will encase our entire life. It is a daily quest that we must embark on, we must choose on. As Paul stated that he must die daily, every day, we must choose to control our words. We must choose to think about what we think about, to gauge what is in our hearts, to fight the temptation to just let our words be filled with anger instead of love. To fight against our natural, natural inclination to have things our way, because our way is the best way. Amen. I may, I may, Kyle. I may need uh, a little bit more shielding right here this morning. Amen. Okay. Let's 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 continue. Okay. We have to learn to put our preferences aside. Because we all have our own preferences. And I know it it becomes a joke, but, you know, silly things have tore churches apart. Silly things as carpet color of whether we're going to sing holding hymnals or sing off off a screen. So the things of how we how we do this and do that, because it's all personal preference. But what we have to do is make God's word our authority. Because our personal preferences in the light of God's word doesn't amount to hill beans. We can have our own preferences. But if our preferences don't line up with God's word, our preferences need to change. Amen. And and I'll, I'll I'll get into more of that in a minute. So as we live out our mission statement that we exist to glorify God by making disciples who grow in their faith in Jesus and their love for one another, we must use godly wisdom to guide our words. Our growth, our growth as a community of believers can seriously be stunted by the words that tear down instead of lifting up. So today, I just ask for you to focus and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning. As, as I'm up here and I speak, uh, I can be like the, the teacher on Charlie Brown if you've ever seen the Charlie Brown when the teacher speaks and all you hear is womp, 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 wah womp, wah womp, womp. That may all you hear this morning coming out of my mouth, but allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you hear the truth of God's Word and let it dictate how you go from this point and how you choose your thoughts and your words. Amen? Amen. Oh. Uh, let's let's pray. Father, I, I praise you, I magnify you, I worship you. I thank you for the awesome privilege that we have to come and together, assemble ourselves, Father, together to lift one another up to. Just be brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, today I ask that you will soften our hearts, soften. Uh, our beliefs, our preferences. Father, help us to hear your word. Help us to hear your truth this morning. Help us as we are on this quest as individuals, but also as a corporate body, Father, to, to tame our tongues, to control what we say and how we say it. And Father, I give you honor and glory and praise, Amen. So today, James chapter three, and we're going to be reading verses uh, one through eighteen, the whole the whole chapter. If you if you're able, if you uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of mankind, every kind of beast and bird and reptile reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring pour forth the same from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a for jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is, shown, is sown in peace by those who make peace. You may be seated this morning. So the big ideal that I want to get across to you this morning is, is this, by allowing godly wisdom to guide our words, we can be a doer of God's word by speaking words that lift people up instead of tearing them down. By allowing godly wisdom to guide our hearts, we can be a doer of God's word. By speaking words that lift people up instead of tearing them down. Being a doer of God's word is the central theme of the book of James. And once again, he does not, he's not starting a new line of thought here. And we finished up last week in chapter two talking about faith without works is dead the very last text or the very last sentence here in chapter 2 verse 26 it says for as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead and then he goes straight in to not many should become teachers this here in verse 1 and 2 we'll look at it again it says not many of you shall become should become teachers my brothers For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So uh, raise your hand if you're perfect this morning. Not anybody raised their hand. Why? Because we all struggle. We all struggle at times by the words that are coming out of our mouth. Amen? I want you to look at two two words here from verse 1. The word many and the word become. Not many of you should become teachers, James says. It says here the word become means the meaning of this word means to come into existence begin to be to arise come upon a stage or to be made so apparently many people were lifting their own selves up to be teachers without God's calling for it says many of you should many of you who should not many of you should become teachers He goes on and he tells them that, for you know, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So we have to realize that a biblical teacher that is being talked about, this word teacher is one who teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of man. It's one who is fitted to teach or at least thinks he is. It is someone who, under, who undertakes the work of teaching with the spiritual assistance of the Holy Spirit. A biblical teacher is not a person, but a position. It's a calling. A biblical teacher is not a person. It is a calling. It is a position. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven. It says, and He, speaking of Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. It's for the work of the ministry. It's for uh, teaching and leading uh, the church. It says there in in Ephesians chapter 4. So God gave these positions. Not man, God. And He calls people to fill these positions so that the church can be made complete. So the church can be able to be made to go out and do what? The works of Christ. The same thing that James is talking about here. Being a doer of God's Word and not a hearer only. So these people were apparently lifting themselves up because they wanted to use their words to blast others. But he warns them, said, hey, you remember, we who teach, we're held to more strictness. The book of Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says this, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whoever you, whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for, for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way. He shall die for his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you have not warned him. He shall die for his sin and his righteous deeds that he has done. And his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning and you have delivered your soul. And this goes directly back to the sin of partiality that we we've we've studied about here in the book of James it is lifting our own selves up to make others look less than us oh uh, you ever been around someone that no matter what you're talking about or what anybody else in the room is talking about, they've always done, done that. Oh, yeah, I've done that. And they've always done it better. Their story is better than the person telling the original story because, you, know, you know, that goes back to illegitimate shame. We're not going to get into that this morning. But, you know, that person, you know, feels threatened by that person's success, so they have to one-up them. Amen. And that's what these people were doing here uh, that James was talking to here. They were they were trying to lift themselves up to make themselves look better. So they were showing partiality be, because they were targeting these people and trying to make them uh, they, they were trying to point out their sin instead of and with that same time ignoring their own. It talks about for the tongue. To be so little, it can do so much damage. And he gives a reference here about putting a small bit in a horse's mouth and how a small rudder controls the ship. And even though the tongue is a little part of the body, it can do a world of hurt. And our tongues is set on fire by hell. We must remember what it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. It says this. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisf- satisfied by the yield of his lips. And this word satisfied doesn't mean necessarily a satisfied in a good way. It means he has to settle for what he comes out of his mouth. He, he's going to live with that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of our words. We can, up, we can uplift or we can tear down. We can tell a person, we can compliment that person, we can, we can just be an encourager to that person. Or we can be that detriment to that person, and the choice is ours, because we control. We can control the words coming out of our mouth. It takes work. It takes hard work. It's not something that we that's going to happen overnight. As I said earlier, it's not, you know, just reading your Bible more, or praying more, or coming to church more. You think it's going to help? You know, it's going to cure all cure all, all ailments. And that's not that's not true. It takes that, absolutely, but it takes dedication, it takes perseverance to push every day to think about what I'm thinking about. Because our thoughts become our words, our thoughts become our actions, and our thoughts determine our life's course. We determine, we determine, if we have a life of joy or a life of misery by the thoughts that are in our minds. Amen? But it says the tongue is set on fire by hell, and yet it boasts of great things. Let's let's look at verses 5 and 6 here in chapter 3. It says this, week or so ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, of an incident where people were gathered for some festival, and someone threw out a cigarette butt, caught the grass on fire, and it burned up 70 cars. Just a simple end of a cigarette butt that you just carelessly tossed aside, caught the grass on fire, and ended up burning 70 people's cars up. That's what our tongue can do. That is the power of life and death. And it's right here. It's in my tongue. It's in your tongue. It says that they boast. They boast of, of great things. This, this boasting is a self-promoting of themselves because of pride. And they are self-promoting themselves over others. I like what Matthew Henry says here about verses 5 and 6. He says, To dread an uncontrollable tongue is one of the greatest and most harmful evils. There is such great sin in the tongue that it may be called a world of iniquity. James 3.6, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. He continues, the whole body is often drawn into sin and guilt by the tongue. The affairs of the human race and of communities are often thrown into confusion and all set on fire by human tongues. Hell has more to do in furthering the fire of the tongue than people are genuinely aware of. When it is set on fire by hell, as it is in all undue passion, it is troublesome, producing rage and hatred and those things that serve Satan's purposes. I like this phrase here that... When it is set on fire by hell, as it is in, as it is in all undue passion, it's when, when emotions are are running high. What comes out of your mouth? Do you think about what you're thinking about? When you're mad at your spouse, when you're upset at, you know this hurts for me. When you're upset. You know, you have road rage driving down the highway. That that's that stepped on my toes just then. What comes out of our mouths? Because what comes out of our mouths is what is our, in our hearts. If it's not in our hearts, it's not gonna come out. Amen. So it's in our heart. So we have to we have to we have to watch this. Now this goes directly back to James chapter 1 verses 19 through 22. It says says this, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We need to slow down. We need to actually hear what people are saying and then respond in a godly way led by godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom, amen, not by our own preferences. Our own preferences can get ourselves in trouble. Here, here in, back in James in uh, chapter 3 in verses 7 through 12, it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people, who are made in the likeness of God. But from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This... In verse 8, this word restless, when it talks about a restless evil, the word restless means unstable. Who remembers what the person is called in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, that ask for wisdom, but then he has to believe, not doubting, because if he doubts, he is unstable in all his ways. This is the same, same, same thing here. This restless—it's an unstable nature. It's someone lacking wisdom. They may have earthly wisdom, but they don't have godly wisdom. So the the tongue is a restless evil. It's someone that is unstable, and they. You can tell it by the words. And this phrase, deadly poison, means they use words to hurt people. However, when you get on into verse 13, we get some some good news here. Verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct let him show his good works, show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This goes back to verse one here in chapter three, that many of them should not become teachers. Because it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct. Let him show his works. What works are those that is teaching God's Word in the meekness of wisdom. And this is that godly wisdom that we can ask for according to James uh, chapter 1. If you lack wisdom, ask and God will give it to you liberally. Amen? But we have to believe that. He goes on this Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast. Do not, do not try to lift yourself up. Do not try to, do not try to teach and be, be false to the truth. He goes on. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. There's that word impartial again. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Verse 13, this speaks of the true God called teacher that many were not up, were not according to uh, James chapter 3 verse 1. These were people that did have bitterness and jealousy that did exist in their life. And they should not teach others why. Because if we have bitterness and jealousy, if I have bitterness and jealousy in my heart, if I have selfish ambitions it's going to come out in my speech the way I talk to people and in my teaching amen so we someone that has those things should not teach uh, Paul instructed uh, you know Timothy and Titus that you know, when they were appointing elders you know one of the things about the, the elders one of the qualifications you know that he mentions is not having selfish ambitions you know, he's encouraging the elders. Don't don't do it for selfish ambition, but do it as unto the Lord. Do it willingly. And I know I've used this analogy before. I used it Wednesday night uh, in our conversation. When a person aspires, says a person that aspires to you know, to move up in God is is. Is, you know, that's a, that's a worthy thing. We want to get closer to God. We want to be more Christ-like. That is an inspiring goal. But remember this. The higher the monkey climbs in the tree, it is, it is, the easier it is to see its ugly behind. So the higher someone goes up in authority, the easier it is to see their bad nature. We can hide things for a while, but give give people enough authority and you'll see their nature. You'll see their true nature. Amen? As Spider-Man says, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility, you know? That was supposed to be funny. Oh. I'm not a funny guy, as you know, as you can see. Um, verse 17. This is one of those holy butts again. But this is one of God's butts, not not man's butts. Because as I've said before, any anytime the word but is used in scripture when it comes when it comes to mankind, it's almost all the time negative. But any time the word but is used in relation to to God or His power or or anything about God is always 100% in the positive context. This is one of those godly buts. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial, and sincere. Remember Proverbs 18, 20, and 21 that we eat the fruit of our lips and our stomachs will be full of the fruit of our lips. Instead of speaking out of anger, bitterness, and jealousy in order to put others down and elevate ourselves, we we will speak God's we will speak words of godly wisdom, and not of our wisdom, and how things how we thinks. Well, that's good English. Thanks. Whew. And how we think things should be. Amen. Because I know I have an opinion of how I think things should be. Amen. Many a times, (laughs) many a times uh, er, earlier in our marriage, uh, you know, my mouth got me in a lot of trouble, still gets me in trouble. Amen? Uh, But, you know, there can be, (laughs) never mind, I'm I'm not going to get into that. Okay, so... Proverbs 4, verse 1 through 7. It says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son of my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, speaking of wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. So controlling our, to- our tongues, learning to tame our tongues, is directly linked to praying for godly wisdom, according to James chapter one. Remember when you this is, yes, this is chapter three, but we, we have to take all this in context to everything we've read up to this point. It is directly linked to godly wisdom that we can have, that we can ask for, in God, and James says he'll give it to us liberally. Whoever asks, he'll give it to you. But don't ask doubting because you're like a wave, wave tossed to and fro. He's an unstable person. The Bible says, don't let that person think they'll ever receive anything from God. And that unstableness will lead us to not being able to control our words, it's earthly wisdom. It's unspiritual, it's demonic, the scripture says. But godly wisdom, it says it's pure. Amen? It says it's pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And we can receive a harvest of peace when we make peace. Amen. Or that's that's one of the what you sow, you shall reap is one of the one of God's laws that will never never go away. Other things will go and pass, but that law will never. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Amen. We sow discord, we're going to get discord back. We sow peace, we're going to get peace back. Amen? So in closing this morning, I want you to to realize that through the trials and sufferings that we go through, they help us to gain the wisdom to use our words correctly. Trials and sufferings are a part of our journey, our quest to tame our tongues. If we will allow them, they will propel us on our life's journey of being a doer of God's Word and not a hearer only. Amen? Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Let's... let's Let's bow our heads and let let us pray. Father, I, I just thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can tame our tongues, we can get better. Help us to think about what we're thinking about, Father. Help us to use our words correctly, Father. Help us to lay down our pride, our bitterness, our jealousy, Father, help us to speak words that lift up instead of tearing down. Help us to be an encourager. Father, help us to be that one that people seek us out when they're going through struggles, when they're going through uh, trials of life, Father. When they just have a bad day. we're the ones that they text or call because they know that they're going to get uplifted from us. Father, help us to be doers of your word by speaking words that are pure and peaceable and gentle. Father, help us to be open to reason. Help us to be full of mercy and good fruits. Help us to be impartial. Help us to be sincere, Father. Father, help us to sow goodness, gentleness, humbleness, peace. So, Father, that we can reap that in return. Father, I just, I just ask that. Father, I know we're all on different levels. Father, I just ask that whatever level we are at in this place this morning, that you will help us to gain more control over the words that come out of our mouths. Father, help us to be quick to hear, to hear with, with the intent of understanding, not just to hear just enough to so that we, we have our rebuttal ready. Because... We think our way is better. We think I'm always right. Father, help us to look at your word as our only authority, Father. Father, help us to live lives that are worthy of you. Help us to walk worthy of your calling to love one another. Father, I give you honor and glory and praise. Amen.